0: Welcome to Holistic Wellness, a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll find holistic skincare in one simple routine. Welcome to the Alchemy of Things, a podcast diving deep into topics like skincare, holistic living, and the energy that connects us all. I'm your host, Brandy Searcy, founder and formulator of Rain Organica, where you'll find skincare you can take with you anywhere. In today's inaugural episode we're going to go deep into skin so this is really a foundational episode for everything else we talk about in the future and one of the reasons this one is going to be fairly intense is because my guess is you've searched for answers elsewhere and haven't been able to find the full story for that reason i want to give you the entire story all in one location and it's a little hard to pull these apart and actually have a full podcast episode. So for that reason, this one's a little bit intense, but you're going to be able to manage it without a problem. It's okay. I'll help guide you through it. So we're going to start out talking about the layers of the skin. From there, we'll talk about cellular turnover or cellular migration, whichever way you would like to think about it. Then we're going to talk about the Hayflick limit and then cellular senescence. So let's start with the layers of the skin. So the skin is composed of three layers. The epidermis is the outermost layer, the dermis lies below it, and the subcutaneous fat layer is below that. Today, we're focusing just on the epidermis and this layer of skin is further divided into, can you guess what I'm going to say? Yep, That's right. Layers. So we'll start from the very outermost layer, the one you can see. So That is the stratum corneum. It's the infamous dead skin layer that forms a barrier between our body and the world. The stratum corneum is made up of dead skin cells that are fully keratinized, sometimes these are called corneocytes, and they are continuously resupplied by lower layers of the epidermis. Below the stratum corneum lies the stratum granulosum, And this helps maintain an intact skin barrier because it secretes lipids, which is just a fancy name for fats. And those lipids form the extracellular matrix or help compose the extracellular matrix, which is basically that glue that helps hold cells together. The cells in the stratum granulosum also secrete proteins and enzymes. And those enzymes are, they actually enable desquamation in the stratum corneum. So desquamation is a fancy way to say it's foliation. It's the scientific or technical name for exfoliation, which is the act of those outer skin cells releasing themselves from the surface of the skin. So the cells within the stratum granulosum secrete enzymes that help desquamation in the stratum corneum. Below the stratum granulosum lies the stratum spinosum. It's the next to the bottom layer of the epidermis, and it's where keratinization, which is also known as cornification, starts. During this process, the cell nucleus begins to deteriorate and cross-linking of keratin proteins takes place. So keratin proteins are rich in sulfur-containing amino acids like cysteine. What that means is that they're very prone to cross-linking. So cross-linking is actually a chemical reaction where the protein basically protein molecules bind to other protein molecules like itself. So two keratin proteins would bind together and cross-link at these sulfur amino acid bases. And what this does is it transforms a single keratin protein into a long keratin fiber that is much stronger than an individual protein. It helps build that barrier, that skin barrier, and make skin... A semi-permeable, semi-permeable membrane. So it, it, we rely on our skin so much for keeping stuff out, despite the fact that things can also absorb through our skin. So it really is a semi-permeable membrane. And this, and in the stratum granulosum is where that keratinization process starts. So our outer, our outermost skin cells, those stratum corneum, this, the skin cells within the stratum corneum, the dead skin layer. Are actually composed of corneocytes which consist mostly of cross-linked keratin okay below the stratum spinosum is where the magic happens this is the living layer of the epidermis it's known as the stratum basal and it's composed of several different types of skin cells we have melanocytes which create the pigment melanin Merkel cells which are responsible for detecting touch so think of when you touch, when you rub your fingers across a sheet of paper, now think of when you rub your fingers across a very soft blanket. So that difference in how those feel, the Merkel cells help translate that to our brains. And most predominantly in the stratum basal, we have keratinocytes. So keratinocytes are the cells that migrate towards the surface and become more and more keratinized or cornified throughout that migration. So they're the ones that become that, the corneocytes in our stratum corneum. Keratinocytes can also, are also capable of dividing just like other cells in our body. They are not stem cells though, but we do have epidermal stem cells as I mentioned. And the epidermal stem cells create keratinocytes. Okay, let's. From here, I want to just give another word about melanin and then kind of tell you the composition of the skin, basically, the percentages of these skin cells within our stratum basal layer. So, melanin. Melanocyte density, so melanocytes again are the cells which create the pigment melanin and melanocyte density is about the same regardless of skin color. The difference in skin color is actually due to the amount of melanin that's made by the melanocytes. So when you have a suntan, your melanin, your melanocytes are making more melanin than they are when you don't have a suntan. And if you just have a darker complexion, your melanocytes are making more melanin than a lighter skinned person. So, melanin is a highly protective antioxidant, one that's made naturally by the body. And we're definitely going to talk more about antioxidants in a later episode. Melanocytes and the epidermal stem cells both compose about 5 to 10% of the total population of cells in the stratum basal layer. Okay. Now let's talk about cellular turnover, a.k.a. cellular migration. So cellular migration from that basal layer all the way up to the stratum corneum at the outermost layer of your skin varies based on the thickness of skin in a particular area. So you can think of the skin on the inside of your wrist or on your eyelid or just below your eye and how thin that is compared to the skin on the soles of your feet in the palms of your hand, of your hands. Cellular migration also depends on your age and whether you have skin conditions. So psoriasis, people with psoriasis actually have a more rapid cellular turnover rate than the rest of us. And other skin conditions cause either a faster or slower rate of migration. A general rule of thumb is that it takes 28 days for skin to migrate, for a skin cell to migrate from the basal layer all the way out to the corneum and to be shed from the corneum, from the stratum corneum. Now, this increases by between 30 and 50% by age 50. So that 28-day turnover would be for a 28-year-old and by the time you reach age 80, it could be 42 days for skin to turn over. So for for a skin cell to migrate from the stratum basal all the way up and be released from the stratum corneum. And again, that's just a rule of thumb based on where we're talking about in the body. Okay, now I want to move on and talk about the Hayflick limit. You may have heard of this before, but just in case not, let's go back in time to high school biology. Okay, if you remember, DNA is a double-stranded sequence of nucleotides that code for your genes. And your DNA is in every living cell of your body. During cellular division, the enzyme DNA polymerase basically breaks open the double strand of DNA, attaches itself to the three prime end, copies the strand of DNA, and then disconnects from the DNA strand. Since DNA is double-stranded and polymerase is an enzyme which means it's very large compared to a single nucleotide within the DNA strand polymerase has a really hard time copying the ends of the DNA strand very well so for this reason and that's simply because it has to like disconnect the strand and actually physically attach itself to the strand and when it does that it doesn't the the location of the enzyme that connects to the strand isn't necessarily all the way at the end so it's not able to copy those end nucleotide sequences very well. So for this reason, the body has a workaround. On the end of DNA strands, additional repeating sequences of nucleotides are added, basically as an end cap. In humans and other vertebrates, that, oligo- that oligonucleotide sequence is TTA-GGG. Just in case you were wondering. I know I was curious, so I threw it in there in case you were wondering as well. And. The additional sequence is known as a telomere. So it's basically, it doesn't code for genes, so it's nonsensical. The entire telomere portion tacked onto the DNA strand is about 8,000 to 10,000 nucleotide units long. Okay. What does that mean? Well, this actually ties into how well, or rather how long, or how many times a cell is able to be replicated. So a cell will naturally reach the end of its lifespan when those telomere lengths become so short that the DNA polymerase can no longer attach and like read the full sequence of the DNA strand. So at that point, what normally happens is the cell enters what's known as programmed cell death or apoptosis and is then cleared from the body, so it's broken down, becomes debris removed from the body. What can happen instead is the cell goes into a senescent state. So I used to think that senescence was kind of like a sleep state, but it's not. It's actually, okay, let me describe it to you and see what you think is the best explanation for this. So senescence, senescent cells are cells that can no longer replicate because their telomere lengths are too short so they no longer divide they resist programmed cell death so they resist apoptosis and they also secrete high levels of inflammatory signaling molecules what that does is so what these signaling molecules do is actually cause nearby cells to enter a state of senescence as well. So again, those cells no longer divide, they resist programmed cell death, and they also secrete high levels of inflammatory signaling molecules. Okay, so that sounds like a bad thing, right? And yes, it is. So there are all sorts of theories on how senescence ties into aging. and. It's not just skin cells that can go into senescence. It's basically any cells of the body. So for that reason researchers are definitely investigate I mean it's a hot topic for research. It's how it relates to skin is inflammation is is not desirable usually within the body and especially in cases like this where we really want to remove those senescent skin cells and get back to a state of health and repair the area. You know, get those inflammatory signaling molecules out of there. Definitely stop that senescent cell from convincing other nearby cells to become like itself. And we'd rather encourage normal, a normal cellular lifespan where at the end of that life cycle, the cell undergoes apoptosis. So researchers have linked certain genes to higher rates of senescent cell removal. The good news is, even if you don't have those genes, you can still boost the elimination of senescent cells with certain supplements and certain ingredients. A few of those are vitamin C, and this is also where peptides come into play, specifically the peptide Juve 11. That's the trademark name for it. It's technical name is acetyl hexapeptide 51 amide, which I know sounds scary, but it's really not. We'll dive into peptides on a future episode. For now, I would like to wrap up and, oh, and one more thing. We'll dive into vitamin C here in a couple of episodes. For now, I really want to wrap up this discussion, kind of recap where we are and make one more comment about telomeres. So we have covered a ton in this episode. We started out talking about the layers of skin, specifically the layers of the epidermis. We took an in-depth look at the different skin type at the different skin cell types within the stratum basal layer. So within the living layer of the epidermis. And then we started talking about cellular migration of keratinocytes towards the cell towards the skin surface and how long that takes and how that elongates or becomes more delayed as we grow older. We also talked about the Hayflick limit, And in addition to the Hayflick limit, we talked about cellular senescence. One more thing on the Hayflick limit, the body really is smart. There is an enzyme called telomerase that extends the telomere strands on the end of those DNA strands. So it extends the length of those. The body regulates where telomerase is used and where it's not. And for good reason. So as you know, stem cells are immortal or are considered immortal. This is usually embryonic stem cells as opposed to adult stem cells, but anyway, for the sake of this conversation, we'll say stem cells are immortal. And cancer cells are also immortal. Cancer cells have learned how to turn telomerase back on. So, oftentimes this is just is this is one of the things that I find so fascinating about about skincare and about the body is, it is such a fine balance. Like everywhere you look, there's a balance of where where something is okay and where it's not. And what does it look like when it's out of whack? And it is so fascinating to think that it, because you see it manifested in the physical world. And at the same time, this is true. Like these are patterns that take hold. Balance isn't just key in the physical world. It's also key in our mental space it's key in our daily lives it's key in our routine so balance is going to definitely be a recurring topic I wanted to bring up telomerase here it's going to be something that we talk about in a future episode if you're wondering why well skin cancer and telomerase would go hand in hand so you can stay tuned for that episode I'm not sure when that'll be but It'll be at some point in the future. In the meantime, I feel like I'm rambling here. Um, In the meantime, that was the last thing I wanted to say was just to make you aware that there are enzymes that can extend the length of telomeres and to also let you know why that's not necessarily a good thing, despite the fact that it sounds amazing because telomeres really are being investigated into long, into extending life, into longevity. They're being touted as the fountain of youth doesn't doesn't take much more than a Google search to find out how excited researchers are in this area of telomere research and extension. Okay, so that is all for the inaugural episode. And until next time, I hope this has given you some food for thought. And if you're interested in learning more about any of what we've talked about today, feel free to check out the show notes where you'll find reference articles to go and take a look at and do an even deeper dive into. All right. Bye.